So today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the seventh Sunday after Easter, in case you didn't know all of this. It's the 49th day after Easter. So traditionally, at least I know in charismatic churches, uh, Acts 2 is read on this Sunday. Um, I've chosen this passage because I wanted something that was more uh, relational and intimate uh, to discuss, to talk about. So, um, I gotta find my place. I looked away to put the phone down. <laughs> um, in this passage, you can see huge movement, inner movements going on. And I think that they're important to look at and to consider. Now, as Robin would say, the wallpaper in the room, <laughs> the disciples were hiding and very afraid that they were going to get snatched out of the room by the Jewish leaders and, and tortured and killed themselves. Uh, now, the women have come back from the tomb, and Mary has told them that Jesus is alive. The doors are locked still, and Jesus suddenly stands among them. He shows them their scars. Now, when I read this, it made me think of children when they're when they're when they've been apart for a while and they get together, and then it's like, oh yeah, I fell and had this, and oh yeah, but I have this, and the comparing of scars and talking about their lives, and Jesus is allowing the disciples to see his scars, and they talk about his life that he has now. Their grief and fear begins to shift to relief and joy, and maybe even giddiness. It, it's an amazing thing. The first thing that Jesus greets them with is with peace. The Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Now, this is incredibly important because uh, Apostle, the meaning of apostle is sent one. This is the first really, like this is the call to be an apostle is what it is. And it's pretty amazing and crazy if you think about it. What they've been through in the last week, few days. Um, but if you think about the three years and the progression of growth that they've gone through, in three short years, they were fishermen and tax collectors, and then they became disciples. And then at the Passover, Jesus calls them friends. And then before he's arrested, he's talking to the, the select few and calling them his brothers. And then when Mary sees him in his resurrected form and he says go go tell my children that i'll be there each of those um sort of monikers for who they are relationally to jesus become more and more relational and intimate and so now they're being called apostle to be apostles by Jesus. So, 
a lot of shiftings going on and changes. Now, that brings us to verse 23, which is like uh, a crazy... Oh, I skipped a place that is really important. Um, the screen has gone darker. This one. Okay. So, uh, he breathes on them. Now, first off, in the season we're in right now, I immediately was like, no, don't breathe on them. And then I had to remember that that's just um, COVID-19 talking. And uh, for them, God's breath brings life and sustains life. It would take them back to that. It would take them back to the story of God breathing life into men and women, breath creating in this earth. Um, so a sustaining, creating, sustaining life. And it would be encouraging and uh, an amazing thing for Jesus to do and for them to understand what's how they're being connected to God's breath. And so, and then Jesus is telling them to receive. And the Greek word, which I didn't write down, but it means take, take hold of it. Take it with you. Use it. So the Holy Spirit is the one who goes with and uh, can be used and engaged in the everyday uh living that we do and uh, so take life with you uh, is what Jesus is saying so now we get to verse 23 where it's forgiving those you forgive those sins are forgiven not forgive not forgiven my question is was that ever an option to not forgive because I don't know if you were like me, but when I grew up, as I was growing up, if something happened, it would be uh, forgive. You need to forgive. Now, hug or now shake hands or and I can remember going, but this, I, I don't I don't understand. I don't feel any different. I'm still pretty angry at you, <laughs> but I've hugged you. I've shook your hands and I think I just need to walk away because <laughs> I don't know what to do. And um the truth of the matter is, uh, it's scary. It's quite a responsibility to have that yes and that no in forgiveness. Yes, forgive, or no, not forgive. That's pretty heavy. Um, it's a big deal because we're made in God's image and we're connected. And Jesus, when he was asked, you know, the greatest commandment, he said, the first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. I think with those two commandments, he covers every possible relationship you could have. Self with God, self with other, but also implied is self with self. 
And that's where we're going to go. It's self with self in the issue of forgiveness. So in recovery, you get taught that you really can't control others. And I hate to break it to you in case you think you can. You can't control others. You can't change others. It begins with your own questioning of why do I think or why is that so important to me or and I don't mean navel gazing I just mean some true sort of self-examination um, it reminds me of the serenity prayer accept the things I cannot change change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference So it lefts me with this question, how can we forgive others if we have a hard time forgiving ourselves? There's a gentleness that we have to give. And when we try to forgive others without considering ourselves, we may try to be gentle, but it usually doesn't feel gentle, just like when I would hug my sibling or shake hands, it would be, I'm just walking away because I don't know what else to do. So let's talk about being gentle with ourselves, because in being gentle with ourselves, we grow and learn how to be gentle with others. That's what it means by loving your neighbor as you love yourself. So, Unforgiven, unforgiven, well, to not be forgiven or not to give forgiveness, it's a difficult and hard thing for our souls. It can shape you in some ways that you really don't want, but you don't, you have to work through the things, and that's where the gentleness comes in. And this is a story that I've been learning for quite a while. Uh, I'm still not perfect at it, but I'm trying. So in my own story, forgiveness begins and ends with my own soul, with me, and the need for that forgiveness to always be near. So what is it that I need? I learned that I need space for myself because I need to process and I and I need space to be able to realize the hard things that are going on in me and to recognize those feelings and to allow myself to feel those things so and I have to be gentle with myself in that uh, the other thing is that safe people People who can help you speak, be gentle, but speak the truth to you with gentleness and support. Um, I'm grateful for my ACA sisters who have uh, spoken into my life in so many ways through this process of forgiving. I learned the hard way that I'm powerless, but I'm not helpless. So in many ways, 
there's a powerlessness and how do I change me? But you have a helpfulness in people who are safe that you can talk and process with. So, and then the other thing I want to say with gentleness is you need to listen and be careful of the voices in your own head. I'd find myself saying, all right already, just get over it, Diane. And the truth of the matter is, that is not gentle. That is actually shaming. And um, if I paid attention to that, I would never arrive at forgiveness. I'd be stuck in trying to get over things. So that gentleness enables you to let go, express and let go. And so that brings me to detachment. I found that so helpful to be able to talk about things that had hurt me, but in a way of like taking something out of my pocket and talking about it with the people who are helping me understand um, and even praying about it that way doesn't mean you don't care, but it gives you the space you need to understand. And then the final thing I learned about being gentle is, man, I'm great at telling myself stories. And the problem with that is that you is that I ruminate and ruminate. And next thing I know, what was an issue that I had with forgiving becomes this humongous story that I don't even know how to get myself out of. And I'm back at square one and trying to figure out what are the emotions and how can I work through them and who can help me and all of that. So um, be wary of ruminating. What I've learned to do is just to stop it. When my brain starts trying to tell me stories, I say, nope, not going there. And I, I can't. I just... I can't, and I've been known to call people and say, can we just have a conversation to help my brain to settle down and not ruminate? And so, um, and I've found that to be helpful. My final thing that I want to say about forgiveness and the desire to go from unforgiveness to forgiveness is don't forget inspiration. Inspiration, God's breath of life in our lives. Look for it as you're processing. God, where are you? Where is your breath? Where is your life in this? I, uh, during this time, uh, found that there was a denomination during shelter at home uh, in which they would, different worship leaders from all over the world would lead a 30-minute set of worship at 9 a.m. on Facebook, and I would join, sometimes cooking, sometimes just sitting and, and participating. And this one song came up, and the third time it really hit me. And I, this song was the huge breath that I needed because I was dealing with it with fear and sadness at the death, possible death of a friendship that um, had meant a lot to me. And so I'm not going to read the whole song, but I'll just read snippets. 
The name of the song is Eden, E-D-E-N. You can find it on YouTube. Um, so, it's addressed to Jesus. Only you turn deserts into gardens, and only you turn winter into harvest, and only you make dry hearts into fountains. Man, that one got me. Only you restore all that has fallen. Only you left glory to be human. Only you turned death into reunion. And that was the one that just broke it open for me. Here's the deal. It reminded me. It let me have my sadness, but it reminded me that life is always not far from death. And that's the truth. Death, but there's life. So, this Pentecost Sunday, I uh, bless you with life and with goodness and gentleness and deep care. I love being with you and I miss you guys. And I look forward to when we're able to be together. We'll see you. Bye.